When the Magi are traveling from the east and they see that the star has stopped over the place where they will find our Lord, they are overwhelmed with joy. When is the last time you were overwhelmed with joy? Think about that. For just, you don't have to answer. Just think about it for a second. Just that phrase itself conjures up some tricky emotions for us, right? None of us like to be overwhelmed by anything, right? We don't like that loss of control. However, the idea of being overwhelmed by joy, well, maybe that's something we can get behind. I've had that experience a couple times in my life. I'm so grateful I get to talk about them. They're here. Uh, the birth of both of my children, my wife Allison and I, were completely overwhelmed by joy because for months and months we had been praying and hoping and planning and waiting with expectation and at the relief of a healthy delivery and meeting these two profound young people for the first time, we were overcome, overwhelmed by joy. Now, I believe we can have that experience in, in other avenues and aspects of our life. I recently listened to a podcast about a Nobel Prize winner who kind of made the joke that the Nobel Committee is a little behind. They're working through the 80s right now, and so, you know, it's going to take a while. And most of the people who receive a Nobel Prize are in their 60s or 70s. So if you can imagine working for something your whole life and finally being recognized that for after decades and decades of work, you could see how that could bring about an experience of being overwhelmed by joy. I also think that when each and every one of us really truly hear and understand and own that we are a beloved child of God, when we really get that for the first time, that's an opportunity to be overwhelmed by joy. There are other ways that we can have that experience, but I have a theory, and that is that that experience usually only comes after a prolonged effort, after a season, after intentional work, discipline, hoping, longing, praying, planning. Well, the Magi that we hear about uh, on this great feast of the Epiphany have done that. They've set out on this long journey that's taken them many, many miles over a long period of time, and Really what they've done is they've gone on a pilgrimage. They've gone uh, with expectation that they are going to encounter the divine. And as they go on their way, they have other experiences of getting to know each other and hoping and planning and pondering and wondering and watching the star and all these things that prepare them for this incredible, amazing joy that they experience. I wonder if having an experience of being overwhelmed by joy for us might come after an intentional practice of Christian pilgrimage. It's happened for me before, and I'm going to talk a little bit about what that means and commend that to you as a discipline during this season after the Epiphany. Uh, about 15 years ago, I, I led my first pilgrimage to the island of Iona in Scotland. Anybody ever been there? I had like two today, a couple of you. Good. All right. So we can talk about it later. It's fantastic. Iona is one of those thin places. It's one of those places that God has been present from before people even knew who God was. God has been there, and it's an amazing place to experience God. But it's not easy to get there. So this is how we got there. Uh, we drove from our church in Austin to the airport. We got on a plane and flew to Chicago. And then we got on another plane and tried to sleep as we flew to Glasgow, Scotland. 
In Glasgow, we got off the plane, we took a bus to the train station. At the train station, we took the train from Glasgow to the coastal city of Oban. That's where good scotch comes from. I know you all know that. All right, that, come on, that was funny. <laughs> In Oban, we got on the big ferry to go across the water to the island of Mall. And then in Mall, we got on a bus and drove across the island of Mall. And then on the other side of Mall, we got on the Wee Ferry to go to the island of Iona. And we walked to where we were staying, and then we all promptly passed out from two days of travel. The travel itself, though, as part of this pilgrimage, is important because during all of that travel, it gave us pilgrims an opportunity to get to know each other better, to share our hopes and dreams and fears about the trip. And then once we arrived on the island, people had profound experiences of the divine. Some people learned how to pray in brand new ways. Some people uh, got to really deep, lasting friendships. Some people experienced a profound presence of God in the silence and the beauty of that island. And for me, the pilgrimage itself really just began when I got there. Um, I have found that going on pilgrimage, God shows up in ways that I never expect. So on this particular pilgrimage, I had some really interesting conversations with some young men. They called themselves evangelical Christians. You know some of them. Although I was a bit confused because these guys had traveled all the way to Iona, and I just told you how you have to get there, just to see a copy of the Bible. They didn't stay. They didn't want to worship with us. They weren't really interested in the people who lived on the island and maintained the beautiful abbey. All they cared about was seeing a copy of the Bible. Now, it happens to be a pretty amazing copy of the Bible. I'll give them that. But it was a little bit of an odd experience for me, and so I began to wonder, what is it about the living God that we worship that people who have been worshiping God in this space for centuries, and these, in our current contemporary culture, we seem to be more interested in a text rather than the living God. I also had this really profound experience with this young woman that I met on this trip who was not yet a full member of the Christian faith. She just found Iona to be a beautiful place and had been there many times and found that she could sort of be that spiritual seeker that we hear about in this place. She happened to live in England. It's a little easier to get there when you live there. Well, more than 15 years later, my wife and I had the, the great privilege uh, to worship with she and her husband and her two kids at their home church in England um, this past fall. Uh, we've been in touch all this time, and I've been blessed to witness her Christian faith bloom and blossom and grow into this wonderful thing where um, she and her family are such active members of their church. The pilgrimage for me was a, was a profound experience. So back to the Magi. Imagine that you've set out on a journey, an intentional journey seeking Christ. Imagine the experience of finally arriving. It's no accident that when they get there, they're overwhelmed by joy. Then they go into the house, and they kneel down, they pay homage, and they give our Lord these wonderful gifts. Well, you and I can go on a pilgrimage too. We don't have to go far away. In fact, we can go on a pilgrimage driving in our car from our home to work or school or wherever we're going, even the grocery store. We can go on pilgrimage if we go to a bookstore or a library and find a book that helps us to grow in our faith. We can go on pilgrimage when we come together and worship at St. Michael. You see, it's about intentionality of the heart. If we are intentional about seeking Christ, 
in whatever journey we're undertaking, we will be blessed by that process. We'll be able to come and share our gifts in this space, gifts like the Magi shared. So I commend this idea of Christian pilgrimage to you during this season after the Epiphany in the hopes that each and every one of us would have an experience of being overwhelmed by joy, that we might find Christ in people and places that we never expected to, and that we would be transformed and continue to celebrate with joy the gifts that we have received. Let's pray.